Hi, my name is Kevin Bates, and I'm a pastor in Sherwood, Oregon. Each and every week, we desire to take theological principles, biblical stories, and narratives and topics, and all the genres of scripture, and help you immerse yourself in order to embody and apply them to your everyday life. That's what we're doing today. I want to encourage you to tune into this online broadcast each and every week. Either you can watch it live or you can watch it later. But ways you can support our ministry is first, follow us on this online broadcast. Follow our Instagram page, like our Facebook page. And if you're listening live, we will answer questions for you. So you can ask questions, put comments in the comment box underneath the social media channel you are watching. You can financially support this ministry by going to ResonateLife.org to the support page. And you can go to the Give tab under our website. So you are joining us, like I said, live on Thursday night at 8.30 for this broadcast. And this will also be replayed on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock for our Sunday morning offerings. So every Thursday night, we are coming together for this live for a better understanding of what we're talking about, the material that we're covering. So we call this a deeper dive. And if you've been following us online, you'll remember that we are in a series called Atlas of the Heart. I'm gonna raise this bow. Thank you, Jacob. We're gonna raise this book up. Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. This is our structure of our series. We're looking at a biblical understanding of emotions. And tonight we are looking at the biblical understanding and view of the emotions where when life is beyond us, when when it's beyond us, whatever that it is, we're going to identify that today. So I am joined with Sherea Bonner and Jake Fluke. These are two of my leaders at Resonate Christian Church. I'm so thankful that they join me each and every week. Otherwise, you just hear from me and I love hearing from them uh, on top of uh, what I have to say. They uh, add so much rich blessing to our conversation. So good evening, Sherea and Jake. Thank you so much Hello. for joining. Hello. How are you tonight? Good. We're no longer guests again. Okay. We're great. Did I call you guests? No, I don't know. You're, no, oh, you didn't. Okay. Not for a little while. Oh, that is so We just good. moved out of that modality of desks. It's, it's wonderful. That's good. So any, any thoughts, uh, about Atlas of the Heart and where we're at now in our in our study. Any epiphanies you guys had over the week? Um, anything that pops out that you just want to open up our discussion with tonight? We had talked about when things didn't go as planned. Right. And I think we use that so much from Thursday to Sunday. And into because this last so week. many things didn't go Because so planned. many things did not go as planned. Kevin breaks his guitar on Sunday morning, did yeah. not go as planned. That's, yeah. John came and helped us out, and it was awesome. Thank you, John. Uh, but it was. Guitar, I had that guitar for 27 years. Now, that's not very old for guitars because some are in museums that are like 67 years old. So, like, that's not really old for a guitar. But 27-year road guitar, yeah, that's pretty old for a road guitar. So I'm pretty proud of that, 27 years. Yeah, that's six years old, younger than me, so that's pretty great. I'm, <laughs> you I'm pretty six old. six years old when I bought that guitar. That's right. <laughs> Any thoughts on the prehist prehistoric hobbits from last week? Any? any I didn't I have do been any more research. research. You did it. I've been I've been no. trying to find that picture of of this tribe that got destroyed during World War II that was they were thought to be Neanderthals. Yeah. 
Hmm. Which is super interesting. They were in France though. So I'm, I'm still trying to search for that one. Yeah. So I have a question. <clears throat> we always attribute Christopher Columbus in finding the Americas, but mm -hmm. I want to know why we don't attribute Leif Erikson to finding the Americas. Money. You think so? Oh yeah. Trade routes, slave routes. That makes sense. Leif Erikson yeah, wasn't true. there for profit. Yeah. Eric the Red. Viking, they just, so. Yeah, they were Eric just going to go cope. Eric the Red. Go ahead. Sorry. They're just there to do Viking stuff. Well, actually, they were trying to find another land, and they ended up in, like, Nova Scotia area. So they're yeah. actually trying to find Iceland, I think. Could you imagine? We missed Iceland and came all the way to Nova Scotia. That's yeah. a long way. <laughs> yeah. Puddle jump so, from yeah. Greenland over. Leif Erikson's dad, Eric the Red, founded Greenland. And then Leif Erikson, I believe, that was the person that founded Iceland and then tried to uh, find the Americas while he was trying to find Iceland. Something like that. Ended up in Nova Scotia somewhere. But it's really interesting that we don't attribute tri finding the Americas to that 1000 AD time frame. Well, going Erikson. before that, you know, the Mongolians yeah. coming over the land bridge oh. from... Yeah. So where do you, where do you stop? Where do you stop? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You need to go past CRISPR Columbus uh, for obvious reasons, but. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> that would leave me in awe and wonder if I was smooth, just smooth, right? If I was traveling from Greenland or somewhere else to Iceland, and I ended up in the Americas on a rowboat. Think, think about that for a second. That's not that's not a powerboat. It's not a sail. Well, it's a sailboat too. But you're talking a rowboat. Well, a big rowboat. Row, with lots who of was rowing cars. the boat? The Vikings. A lot of Vikings rode their own boats, like uh -huh. the warriors rode the boats. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. They so, weren't changed. Yeah, Jake and I were Jake and I were invited to go fishing uh, on the Deschutes River. And Umqua, Umqua River. Sorry, and I guess bass fishing in the Umqua River is supposed to be this thing. And Steve, this person who invited us, said the only challenge that you're going to have is you're going to have to row the boat yourself. And I thought I can put my Viking hat on and do this. I'm going to Iceland. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I would, I would be an You're going to row of, all the way there, all the way I, to Iceland. From the Unqua River all the way to Iceland. Somehow that's how we're going to get there. Get there. Hey, hey, tonight we are talking about the emotions uh, that are caused or come up out of us when we are faced with the things, the ideas, the life that hits us, whatever it is, negative, positive. Uh, when things are beyond us, when it's beyond us, we have an emotional reaction of awe and wonder and confusion and curiosity and interest and surprise. So awe, wonder, confusion, curiosity, interest, and surprise. And remember in this series, what we're doing is we are laying down a foundation of the biblical principles of emotion because we know that all decisions that we make 
whether it be positive, negative, those decisions, yes, you can have thoughts and cognitive placement all the way up until the decision is made. But at some point, at some point, that decision, you cross over into emotion. You have to make the emotional jump where it's a gut, it's a feeling, it's yes, it's cognitive, where it's a mind thing, but that at some point, it's an emotion. So people um, like, uh, like, um, gosh, I forgot the name, Jake. Give me the name of uh, the author that wrote the book. Uh, um, Pete Enns. No, 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 no. Uh, leadership. Friedman. Friedman, Friedman Feldner. Thank you. So Friedman would say that all decisions, all leadership decisions of any kind, are based on emotion. So we know that from the Bible, pre-fall, whatever view you take on that narrative, let's just take it as a narrative idea that pre-sin entering into humankind or pre that idea of people not following God's plan, whether that be a beginning story or whether that be today, that emotions are before the fall that mm -hmm. we see that there's desire we see that there's a want we see there's a surprise and an awe and there's wonder and there's uh there's worship and there's like the glory and the joy and the um identification of <laughs> wow bone of my bone flesh of my flesh there's like a like a satisfaction of companionship even a satisfaction emotion before the fall. So a lot of us have been raised under the context that there's only certain emotions that are good in the Christian paradigm. And those emotions are like joy and happiness and have the joy of the Lord and rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. So we use these verses sometimes as weapons against people that have a sense of another emotion. So like, let's say you are sad or depressed or you're um, angry. It was just brought up this morning in one of, the, of our other groups that we are a part of that they, uh, they said, well, what do you do with righteous anger? And the, I responded, and Jake and I were there, and we both responded in a way that there's no such thing as righteous or unrighteous anger. There is righteous and unrighteous expression of anger, but anger is anger. That's the yeah. emotion. And Jake brought up the fact that anger is only righteous when you are in power. And if you're a power person and you express anger, that's when it becomes righteous or unrighteous anger is from the oppressed. So if you are an oppressed individual, your anger is always unrighteous. So, and we so see the, that indirect, like with the riots and any riot any anything like that right and we we put righteous versus unrighteous immediately on it right so those that are in power have righteous anger but there is no righteous or unrighteous anger it's not even listed in the bible as righteous or unrighteous anger god gets angry is that righteous or unrighteous i mean what at what point do we draw the line so as christians we try to redefine emotions because we experience emotions, we have emotions, so we have to categorize those emotions into good and bad. 
So we've done the church a disservice, I think, to uh, to categorize emotions into buckets that they just don't belong in. So anger doesn't belong in a certain bucket of right or wrong. It's just anger. Or depression doesn't. Look at David. David had lots of depression in the Bible. So he had lots, lots of depression. So is that no, righteous? Just, he depression? had lots of everything. Oh, he had lots of yeah. That's yeah. true. So is that righteous depression or unrighteous? I mean, why don't we don't take all the emotions and say, well, we have unrighteous joy and righteous well, joy. David I mean, was in power, so I guess all of his emotions were righteous. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, no, you, you mean I'm not a bad Christian if I feel sad? No. Thank you, Mike, for, for saying that. So we, we definitely have for a very long period of time, categorized emotion in an unhealthy way. So we as Christians can experience all emotion, whatever that emotion is. And there's lots of emotion that we've been covering. Tonight, you can have awe, wonder, confusion, curiosity, interest, and surprise. All those seem very, very positive. They seem very positive until you get to confusion. None of us should be confused as Christians, right? Because we have heavenly glory in front of us to look ourselves, you know, look at that, look at the prize. You shouldn't be confused about anything. So, so do we have righteous or unrighteous confusion? It's kind of a weird thing to say too. So we're going to unpack those tonight because I believe that you can have every single one of the emotions that we've talked about in the four different categories so far in four weeks. You can have all of those emotions and not be, it's not moral or immoral. It's being human. And Jesus came and he didn't come to just make us Christians. He came to make us whole human again. And so we in the garden scene, like return back to that whole humanness. And in that whole humanness, we see in the garden, we're experiencing emotion. So even as a whole human, we're going to experience that whole array of emotions. What we do with them, I think is a different discussion. So if I'm going to slap you in the face or punch you in the gut because of my anger, that's different. That's an expression of anger. You might deserve it but that's still an expression of anger. But so, violence as an expression of anger is what becomes righteous versus unrighteous, which mm -hmm. violence would be an unrighteous behavior on any account. Right. So that's what was brought up this morning about righteous or unrighteous anger. I think that those, that terminology is, is well, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the actual literal heading in that section. It's not, and it's just added in there much That's later. Not yeah. So, so even to re rephrase that as a just expression of anger was different, but there's no such thing as righteous versus unrighteous anger. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a way of making a loophole to excuse your behavior. Yeah. I want unrighteous joy. Because is that schadenfreude or freudenfreude? Because I think that's schadenfreude, <laughs> that when we have unrighteous joy, I am happy that you are failing. I mean, um, in the church, wouldn't we say that it depends on what's giving you joy? Yeah, oh, I guess so, right? Mm. <laughs> yes. If Harry Potter gives you joy. Oh. Tick, 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 tick. Right? That's, that's an old one. <laughs> I know. What's a new one? I'm tired of that old... 
Christians are upset about Harry Potter. What are Christians upset about now? CRT. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Critical okay. race theory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's, a, I mean, we have lots of work to do as a Christian. I think that it's as Christians, I think that, geez, wow, we sure make big deals about things that are. Yeah. That we just. Well, we're coming down the pike very quickly of Roe v. Wade. And so yeah. anger on both sides, yep. no matter what spectrum you fall on, what what are we going to do in response? That's when that's when our emotions become become uh, moral. Right. What makes me righteously angry <laughs> about that idea um, is when you cancel Roe v. Wade, are you going to supply the services and the help that mothers need to? carry a baby full term and is there and, going to be services and, and a child for 18 years yeah. yeah yeah so so when as a society are we going to you know i don't want to call it a cachet of services but when are we going to put together some real help for and honor motherhood if we're going to change these things how is the church going to respond and are we just going to be pro-fetus or we can actually be pro-life because there's a difference yeah and and so so i think we have a lot of work to do as the church uh to put together some some help for for uh people who and we have a great opportunity to too that, have to make that decision absolutely absolutely okay let's get back on topic because that could take us the next i don't know a very long time and I'm willing years. to go there. Yes, I'm willing to go there. Uh, but tonight we're talking about first awe, the places that we go when it's beyond us. That's our, that's our uh, category places that we go when it's beyond us. The first one is awe. I picked out Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. Shreya, why don't you call that one out for us and mm -hmm. tell us what you think. Cool. Yep. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Hmm. I don't like the consuming fire aspect. I, yeah, that one's tough. Yeah. So so I think thanks Mike for your comments we we really appreciate you as well uh, Mike Miller uh, a pastor in Corvallis um, does a great job down there so thank you Mike for your faithfulness and ministry uh, since we are receiving the kingdom that can't be shaken let us let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with awe I find that interesting that our worship is to be in awe that we and we can worship in different arenas and different environments uh maybe that's outside maybe that's in the forest maybe that's at night looking up at the stars maybe that's in church singing songs uh it could be in lots of different venues but that is inspiring to me that our worship 
is to be in awe. Yeah, and so, so awe creates internal change. It's one of the yeah. things that that most quickly promotes any type of change in lifestyle, change in habits, is when we encounter something that that we have to stop and consider how small we are and how much we maybe don't measure up. Mm. Yeah, because awe and wonder are usually used interchangeably, but awe and wonder are two different words with two different meanings. So the idea of awe, when we are in awe of something, that is something that's bigger than us, that we are inspired to be like or to enter into that space. Speaking of space, we are in awe of space. And so therefore we want to enter into that space. So it's our awe of space that wants, that creates that driving motivation to enter into space. And that's really sometimes the only reason why people want to go into space because they're in awe of space. Most people that have gone up into space and the space tourism venture that some of the rich guys are blasting rockets into space. Most people have said, I'm willing to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to go to space because I just want to go up there. I just want to be in it. And that's really interesting to me that, uh, that our awe makes us want to enter in or to be like. And so when we're in awe of God, that's motivation to be like God. Can I show the picture that's in the book? Because I think it illustrates I, it really well. I just sent it to Rob. Oh. So Rob, I don't know if you can actually oh, cool. throw it up or not. Yeah, I'm having a hard time getting it centered. Yes, yeah, so let's see if he can throw it on the screen here. This is in Brene Brown's book, uh, Atlas of the Heart. Yeah. There it is. What awesome. I like about the um, comic there is that I think that last frame um, highlights two things that are kind of intrinsic to um, what the emotion of awe is. Um, I think it gets at a, a transcendent piece. Um, where you feel small in the midst of everything, um, but also a piece of connection because there's those other people along the sides there. Um, so we might be small in the face of whatever is um, awing us, but we feel connected to those around us because we're all small. We're all right. small. <laughs> right. Yeah, thanks, well, Rob. Let's just go, yeah, thank you, Rob. Leave, leave that up. Or do we have one for wonder? We have one for wonder, yeah. Maybe he can so build that one up. I just, I, let's, I just let's emailed go. it to him, so it's on its okay. way. Okay, so let's go into the scripture, Psalm 86, 8 through 10. That's where we want to be, Psalm 86, 8 through 10. Who's going to read that one for us? Oh, Psalm 86. I can get there in just a moment. There it is. Therefore, since we... Nope, that was Hebrews. No, that was Hebrews, yep. We're working all these kinks out, everybody. Well, we're going to get a lot better. 86, 1 through 10. Eight, um, 8 through 10. 8 through 10. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. 
No deeds can compare with yours. All nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. You can cover up my face, Rob. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so living in wonder. Now throw up that cartoon. How it looks, how it feels, what it does to us. So there might be in wonder, there might be a little more tangible uh, touch to it. Mm -hmm. That's what I yeah. see, that, how this, and then it uh, helps us to enter in in a different way. It's... Uh, and motivates us to to find out more to increase our knowledge. Yeah, I wonder, a different I way wonder of participating. Yeah, yeah, because space is a little far out there for me to reach, but I can study butterflies. I have <laughs> studied butterflies. Costa Rica yeah. has the best butterflies on the planet. We've gone through to lots of butterfly farms in Costa Rica and Nicaragua. And Barbara. Barbara Kingsolver, I think, uh, captures wonder perfectly. And the butterflies actually, um, they that it brought that back for me. That in Flight Behavior, her book, I don't know if any of you have read it, mm -mm. Flight Behavior, it is about a young lady who is in this poverty situation and abusive and it's it's ugly um and then she notice a monarch butterfly and this whole this whole then spree of of learning and growing and going out into the end of the the hill the forest area where the monarchs were feeding on the oh gosh i should know what they feed on it's that milkweed milkweed thank you and planting more milkweed and How do you know that it's yeah. growing oh. in my garden that's oh, milkweed okay. is is the, the monarchs. monarchs is the monarchs food um but really uh it just her wonder of the butterfly changed her entire life and mm -hmm. so that it, it brought it right back to uh fly behavior it's a great book so I think I answer, I can answer the question of why the two of you know the two of you. Can I point this? Yes. To, yeah. Well, no, one the can two see of, it, but it's okay. Yeah. The two of you uh, know so many details about so many things, like just random crap. It's like, come on. How do you know the 19, you know, 72 album of whoever you know how would you know that you didn't, I, weren't even I don't. alive then i know <laughs> but you'll you know you will be in conversation with somebody and sheree will say oh i know that and you'll say it i think it's because you guys grew up see i'm 49 and you guys are in your early 30s so so you guys grew up with the internet right so yeah. so like not really eh. in your hand you had the internet for me no, your not life. Hand. <laughs> no. I know yes. what dial-up sounds like. Yeah. 10, 10, 15 years in your hand, you've had the internet. Okay, so you've had yeah. it on oh, yeah. computers. You've had it on computers. I've least. had a computer in my house my entire life. Okay, all right. Well, when somebody said, hey, what does monarch butterflies feed on? 
you go, hmm, I don't know. Let's look it up. And so yep. you just look AOL. it up, right? Me, yeah, AOL. So me, I had to live in wonder. You could pull out the Britannica. Well, Brian I had to Brown live in wonder. That wonder inspires us to learn more. Right. But That's you know it. what Maybe it did for me? Maybe you were living in awe, Kevin. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just was like, I don't know. You know, I don't care. Somebody said, I don't care. The monarch butterfly. Who cares? Eat it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So milkweed. I don't even know if that's poisonous to humans. Who cares? It's not. I can. Oh, that's good. All right. Let's <laughs> spend most tea, of our time. Oh, makes you pee? Tea. Good tea. Oh. T T E A. I thought you said makes you pee. It, it can like, make you pee does. as well. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, that if you, if you eat most of it, a lot of it. Okay. So let's talk about confusion because that's what we're going to spend most of the next can, half can hour we, on. Can we go back one step? Yeah. I think that, uh, and Kevin, I think you can actually elaborate more on this than I can. Uh, Rob Bell's idea on 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 wonder. Do you remember Fall yeah. Like Stars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, go go for it. Well, the the whole idea of On Wonder is uh it's called Drops Like Stars. Thanks so you. Drops Falls Like, like stars. stars. I think it's a what is it? What's Josh stars. Green? Yeah. yeah. So Drops oh. Like Stars. If you look in his illustrations of his book Drops Like Stars, it actually shows a drop and then the actual crown that comes up from the drop so as it hits the ground there's a crown that happens and so drops like stars so he's talking about the wonder and awe of god of course of human like creation space all kinds of topics he's he's talking about and and i would say that one of the many things that rob bell has taught me over the years of of that have been very interesting is to pause and to wonder or to pause and to be in awe, to be able to actually see the wonder. And I think that we run into the danger of moving too fast and having too many stimulus and distractions. Some people would call that distraction, but I'll just say stimulus. That there's so much stimulus that we never get to the pause. And then we don't even know how to respond. So if we have stimulus, pause, respond, we have to have pause to be in wonder. We can't be in constant stimulus and we can't be in constant response. We have to find pause. So <clears throat> that's just one. I mean, I don't know if that's what you're searching for, Jim, yeah. but it's it's one of the many things that he, I guess, would promote is maybe God isn't who we think God is. Then maybe God is something different than our categorical boxes then maybe God is something different than a list of propositions that we can write down on a piece of paper. Maybe God is bigger than even our brains can even comprehend. Mm. And maybe putting God in a small box that you have to follow a certain list in order to be a Christian, in order to have faith or to be a faithful Christian. Maybe God is beyond our simple cognitive point one point two point three system of godology that we come up with that uh that maybe god is bigger than that and i think we need to enter into that space and that takes pause mm -hmm. one of the pause. Uh, yeah one of the uh, dangers i think of 
of Christians is that we've entered into a lot is the awe and the wonder of the Bible, where we are in such awe and wonder of the mystery of the Bible. When the Bible is for teaching and reproof and instruction and preaching and, and all these things, the Bible never says to be in awe and wonder of the Bible. The Bible says to be in awe and wonder of God. And so when we get so hung up on like revelation, revelatory ideas, apocalyptic literature, like the revelation, when we get into such awe and wonder of the revelation, I think we've lost something there because we're supposed to be an awe and wonder of God, not an awe and wonder of some theory of end times. Well, so which, pastors, is a great, which is a great segue for your next word. Well, wait a minute. So, okay. so pastors like myself, and I've done it, and I'm fully admitted, and I'm sorry that I've done this, but I've done it myself where I've gotten up in front of people and enamored them with scripture and enamored them with like the explication of scripture and, and like the revelation, John's revelation, where, I, where you start talking about seals and bowls and dragons and lakes of fire and you know, Satan and the Antichrist and, you know, people are enamored with the Bible at that point versus pointing people to Jesus. So I think that, I think we run the risk as pastors, a dangerous risk of leading people astray from God and the wonder of God. I think that's where we have, like evangelicalism has definitely fallen off the deep end because one of the tenets of de evangelicalism is basically the worship of scripture. Biblical centrism. Right. And that biblical centrism definitely has turned into this worship of scripture when we're supposed to be worshiping God and being an awe and wonder of God. So that leads us to the next idea is being in confusion in confusion uh, it's a natural uh, it's a natural emotion to have confusion I think that there is a lot of reasons to be confused I was taking a business class once and the business instructor said leaders no longer need to be confused in their position of leadership. And I thought that was interesting that there are confusing things, but what this instructor was actually alluding to is we as people use confusion as an excuse. I'm so confused. I don't understand. I don't get why that person did what they did. I'm so confused about why Democrats and Republicans are fighting. I'm so confused about, you know, we could say whatever we're confused about. And it's like, that's just an excuse to say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to put brain cells to it. I know the problem and I'm afraid of conflict with you to talk about it. And we just sit there and say, I'm just confused. So we have this like, like this, this, you know, uh, what do you call it? A vocalized pause almost. And that's what that business instructor was alluding to is that we live in confusion. So when we don't want to make a decision, I'm confused about what to do next. I think confusion is an emotional pause. I think we yes, have. but yes, it is a excuse. Yeah, I'm I'm not discounting. No, I, I, no, I know what you're saying. It's just it's a, yeah. It, if you want to say it's a vocalized pause, okay, it's but it is definitely an emotional pause. Like there is so much stimulus or lack thereof that you take an emotional pause. 
it's like I, I, I know exactly why people do what they did, but I still am going to say I'm confused because it feels better than coming to the truth of the moment, especially when you're on the wrong side of history. So, so when you're on the wrong side of history, it's easy to use the adage of I'm confused. I'm confused about why the world is the way that it is. Oh, I don't know. You built it that way. So, so, so the, when you're on the wrong side of history, we use that a lot to excuse our behavior. What's the famous quote? I don't understand your question. Um, I don't know. Gosh. Okay. Keep going. Well, it's okay. It was it was in a Senate hearing where the the guy just kept saying, "I don't understand your question. I don't understand your question." Yeah, that's just kicking the can down the road, turning it into a filibuster, almost politically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So confusion, though, emotionally, a true confusion, right? True confusion. If you think deeply about what's going on in the world today, you know exactly why things are happening in the world today. You're not confused. So so that's not an excuse to just kind of throw out there as, you know, some, I don't want to talk to you about something vital. But confusion is actually essential for learning. Mm-hmm. And confusion needs to motivate us to learning. So the Bible actually says something really interesting. First Corinthians 14.33 says something interesting. Rob, if you want to throw that up on the screen, I can read it this time if you want. But I don't have a... I have so many devices going on right now. that There it is. So God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all congregations of the Lord's people. So God is not a God of confusion or disorder. So the idea that God is confused i i think that god is not a god of of mental confusion but i think god god might be confused about why we make the decisions that we do because <laughs> in the same creating... emotional thing that god does know in fact why we do the things <laughs> we do and god's just like oh i'm so confused well maybe i mean if you're an open theist you know maybe you don't believe that <laughs> oh, an open the- oh because it says god wouldn't know everything in the future from this point forward he would just know the now and he would sit there and right. look at kevin and Sheree and jake making these decisions and go and shaking his head. I think he did a cut that a couple of times with like <laughs> Moses and Exodus and some of those. Like, what is happening right now? Like, why are they WTG? Yeah. Never mind. What the? <laughs> I don't know what the G means, but it's I don't okay. know either. Um, <laughs> the confusion has to motivate you, though. Yeah, like you have a, you have you always have a choice to make in your confusion. That's when that's when it crosses the barrier of of moral or amoral and what your action is upon it. Right. And so confusion, if you just sit there, it it, it creates a, a kind of a cesspool of of what you did with it. You have to, you have to move on confusion or else Gosh, I could say so much right now that I don't think would be apropos. But the uh, 
I think a lot of completely inappropriate in so many other ways. So you might as well. If you're sitting in there with confusion for so long, you'll just turn your TV to a certain channel and watch a certain Tucker Carlson because you are confused about life, and you need you need guides to do that. And so your guide then becomes a an emotional appeal to you rather than than truth building and esteem building and knowledge building it becomes more of an emotional fear-based appeal well i would say that people that are confused in a mental confusion right there's a there's a difference there's a psychological idea of mental confusion that i want to get into a little bit but comfortable learning environments don't create growth and so when you're always listening to that same news channel learning the same thing, getting the same read on life, the same perspective, the same of everything, you really just indoctrinate yourself into comfortability. And that that does not create learning. That doesn't create growth. That doesn't create being more like God. That doesn't create anything. It doesn't create more love. It doesn't create more grace. It doesn't create more like opportunities of forgiveness. It just creates, well, what some people would call just a mental remuneration of the same material and it just group think. over and over and over. And so, so yeah, you would call that a group think, but if you weren't in a group, it was just you being the recipient of the same indoctrination. I think that's where the church has gone. If I take it away from society and we can pick on certain news channels that do that, but I can tell you that the church has become that. that oh, 100%. We, definitely, mm-hmm. we definitely have produced like this comfortability where people just sit in the same learning environment. So mental confusion though, when we enter, excuse me, when we enter into a mental confusion, that's actually a psychological thing. And so mental confusion is a decreased uh, alertness that we can become so confused that our response to our confusion is almost like a psychological remuneration of confusion, which decreases our alertness. At its core, confusion is a decrease alertness or the inability to think clearly and quickly because we're stunned. Mm-hmm. But usually with our confusion, that doesn't necessarily last very long if we're proactive with our confusion. So it should promote a learning environment. But if we stay in that lack of clarity or stay in that inability to think quickly, what happens is our concentration or paying attention, we become disassociated or dispersonalized with reality. That can actually turn into a mental disorder. So confusion basically eventually will interfere with our ability, the executive function of our brain it will actually interfere with that ability to make clear decisions or correct decisions. So health problems can actually come out of confusion where we become unable to make healthy decisions, which actually can cause like a compounding domino effect of our physical Mm -hmm. health, our mental health, our sociability, um, it can create some real challenges. So so decreased alertness can actually be some of the reasons why our chronic illnesses or mental illnesses 
perpetuate uh, in our in our life. So there is a hope for that. I mean, I'm not saying that, okay, if you are a confused person, there is no hope for you. Um, you're just going to live there. That's not true. You can get therapy, counseling and such. You can go on, you know, get some psychological evaluations and see where you are at with certain bell curves of, of like paranoia or some of the other things that can create confusion. But there's, there's, there's mild confusions. I guess there was, there would be some major confusions. And yeah. one of the things that counseling pulls us out of is out mm -hmm. of our mild confusions turning into major confusions. So let's say you are hurt by a person and that person really had damaged your spirit and damaged your soul. And you're just sitting there going, I am so confused about why that person treated me that way. And I don't get it. And they're just, let's say they're just a a jerk, right? They are just a plain jerk. And you've seen them do this to other people, right? So really you're not confused about what's going on. It's just, you're having a hard time embodying the reality of the, what that person is and what they've done. So that, it, that lack of embodiment creates a mental remuneration of, I'm so confused about why would they treat me this way? Well, they treated 10 other people that way. They've actually treated their boss that way, their coworkers that way, There's their employees that way. They've treated their wife and spouses and children that way. I mean, they've treated everyone that way. So there's no reason to be confused. The person is a jerk and they have some work to do. And it's not your um, fault. And it's not your fault. But because we have that that sense of mild confusions turning into major confusions, sometimes that cycle is really hard to bounce out of. It's like mm. something to not bounce out of, I guess, is something to to process through. So we need to discover, you know, before before damage actually takes root, we need to discover why am I not in, able to embody um the answer and I'm living in this confusion. So I think that there's some things that we can do. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about like solutions of mindfulness practices and such, but I would say that, that one thing that I've learned that I really struggle with that confuses me is my landmine triggers, my verbal landmine triggers. So when somebody says something to me, that triggers an emotional response of a past issue, I get confused. Some people call those triggers, but they're kind of verbal landmines. Like somebody says something and I go, oh, right? Like it just brings me right back to, you know, childhood garbage or brings me back to yesterday, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. it is, you know, that brings me back to. So I get confused by verbal like landmine uh, triggers. So we have to combat those triggers. One thing is to get yourself into a safer situation, pull yourself into an environment that maybe that person is just not safe for you right now and you need to remove yourself from that place. I would encourage you if you're going through that kind of abuse to remove yourself from that place. There's nothing wrong with taking a break and saying, I need to get myself into a safe place so that my trigger response that landmine response in my brain, that executive function can come back into play again and I can enter into making clear decisions. I think that that is 
imperative for people who are going through abuse and the, and they're experiencing an unsafe um, environment. They're going through a lot of landmine uh, confusion, triggers, triggers, yeah. triggers in their life. But I would also say uh, that one of the important uh, things to to uh, to overcome or what's the word process through overcome some of our confusion is to speak it out loud. So a lot of us don't speak that out loud. We're confused about something and we hold it inside. Now I'm a verbal processor. So if I'm confused about something, you'll know it within minutes, <laughs> right? But most people are not like me. I mean, I can fill the room like I am now with words that just fills the room. So we have to be very careful, I think, with others that aren't like Kevin's that are filling the room where like what what are they actually what do they need to say and and help them to vocalize and there's, the And there's different ways to say, right? There's writing say down. Oh, there's yeah. different ways to say. Right, yeah. Like write it in an email and send it to the group, right, all at once. Poof, send. I'm confused <laughs> by why Why are you guys all jerks? I'm confused and I why. Never mind. <laughs> Well, I think that's happened. If I can just bring it back to the church, that's what's happened in the toxicity of the church is pastors have gotten up and said incredibly <laughs> toxic things, incredibly verbal landmines. And people sit there in the congregation going, oh, he's our pastor. So he's studied the scriptures and he went to college for this. So so he, you know, is or she is saying everything. Just just he. Most, mostly he <laughs> is saying everything that it, it's triggering me yeah. and I'm, I'm actually having spiritual disruption right now by what's being said from the stage. I've experienced that. I've, oh, yeah. I've, I can say I've done it. I've done, I've been a pastor for 25 years. Of course I've done something that has triggered somebody in the audience. And so the, the challenge is, is the congregation, they're not identifying it and verbalizing it. And that's where we get stuck in that we're just going to pretend like everything's okay and remain confused. Mm. Okay, go for a response with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead. I still go for 25 minutes straight on confusion. <laughs> you were not confused on that. Mm -mm. Everything's clear now. Crystal. Can you throw it out there, Rob, so I can read it kind of a little far away for me? As somebody who is on the autism spectrum, certain executive function abilities can be difficult for me. Yes, I understand that. Therefore, certain things can confuse me, such as why certain things trigger me so often and why I should and what and I what should I do should about do about it. Yes. So to speak. Yep. as much as I can into that with my very limited understanding. Um, I'm sure that you have, Rob, and we all do, people that we work our confusion out with. Right. And and so you you need mirrors in your life, M-I-R-R-O-R-S, to, to show us our true reflection so that we are grounded in ourselves that we're not confused. I think that that's the, the first 
idea that I have for that. When in a response to you, Kevin, kind of matching that together is that mm-hmm. yeah. it's through it's through relationship with other people that possibly don't all think the same way that you do mm-hmm. that truly can can help your confusion. Um, in our in our men's group, we went through. Uh, Ray Dalia's principles and so a lot of a lot of his principal ideas were to know where you are confused not to be confused I don't think anyone can make the choice not to be confused that's part of being a human but what do you what do you do with that is the answer you have I feel like most most of the emotions that we have talked about in this section you don't have to do anything with awe. You don't have to do anything with wonder, but you have to do something with confusion. And so either it makes you more confused or you grow on out of your confusion. Cupsetic? Well, I would say I would expand what you said about awe and wonder. You don't have to do anything with any emotion you don't have to like you can just sit there and (laughs) and not do anything with it i think that if you don't do something with on wonder confusion curiosity and all of them that we're talking about tonight um it makes you a flatlined person it makes it makes you like just if you don't enter into that learning that that mode of awe is inspiring me to enter into an environment of learning and you don't allow that to do something to you, I think that portion of your life becomes just kind of flatlined where you just look at the stars of the sky and you go, <laughs> stars of the sky, whatever. So, <clears throat> so it turns us into that. Yes, you don't have to do anything, but honestly, you don't have to do anything with confusion either. Not to correct you. No, it's fine. I, I just I, feel like we you don't can... have to. We can definitely like differ on our opinion, right? That's okay. We can both be confused. Confused of what you're saying. <laughs> well, what, so what, I, what are you saying? What are you saying? Kind of explicate that out more. What are you saying that we need to do with our confusion that we don't need to do with awe? That confusion, it kind of brings you to a, a point. And so awe and wonder I think can lead you into confusion. Curiosity, yeah. curiosity can lead you into confusion or vice right. versa. Yet when you don't act upon your confusion, which is I guess a form of action itself, right? Then there's no there's no growth from that. And it actually, I think, degradates your emotional well-being. Well, definitely. Yeah. But who said that we have to do anything with our emotional well-being? Yes, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all so, I'm saying. It's like, yes, it's like if you can we just, want to be healthy, <laughs> you then have to we have to do something. Okay. So do you agree or disagree? If you don't do anything with your, so spinning off of what you just said, Jake, if we take that one step farther, if you don't do anything with your confusion, do you believe or just, just believe that that could create apathy? Apathy. Yeah. Like, like I'm confused about why, 
this, this person made this decision or and i don't want to find out and so, <laughs> whatever and we just move on i'm confused but i'm your confusing person so here we go yeah i don't care you know so yeah. so i think that i think that one of the hardening things out of confusion uh it might it might have more of a relational effect than not doing anything with awe like if you don't do anything with awe or wonder you just are kind of a boring person but if you if you don't do anything with confusion like like sure is really in, involved with uh uh paleontology and and dinosaur stuff she loves you know the jurassic mm -hmm. idea and I she's do. all she's all about it right so she's in awe and wonder about bone digs and where the dinosaurs are in in you know these states that she's gone to to see these dinosaur digs so so that's on wonder it caused her to go to these places her on wonder caused her to get into the car and drive and then she comes back and she has all this new information right it caused her to go learn comes back has new information so then i'm all into like evolution and paleontology and i i kind of like a different form of it but i i'm interested in we already it. talked about and, neanderthals today so <laughs> right right it's like those little you know hobbit hominoids that are like on the hobbit hominoids of... yeah that's what yeah, they yeah. are yeah. it's it's nuts that they 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 were around within a hundred years they probably still are and they could possibly still be there on the island of Flores. So anyway, so that's just... Really Kevin already booked his trip. So, <laughs> so it's really an interesting subject, which yep. brings fruit to the relationship in a different way when I talk to Sharia. If she didn't bring anything like that to the table, she would just be boring. Yes, but is it would is boring mental instability or mental illness it can cause I, relational difficulty definitely yeah. i mean it's caused marriages to split so it's oh, definitely yeah. caused you know relational difficulty anyway we can talk about that a lot but i i think that i think that it's just kind of a different result not doing something with it produces a different result and confusion produces not doing something with confusion mm -hmm. creates something a little more like felt. I yeah. Think, which is what I think saying. is a good, is a good lead into Rob's uh, next point that he made. If you want to throw it up there, Rob, we can talk about it for a minute. Yeah. So frustration leads to or irritation leads to anger. Then you shut down or freeze. If I could interpret that right, yeah. and you take time, several deep breaths, yeah, regrounding, uh -huh. totally, yeah, the physiological sigh, right? Well, it's I important. mean, you need, I mean, yeah, yeah, you need to get that cognitive, executive function back into play. That's one way that you can activate that again. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's talk about curiosity. There's some. Uh, I know we're over time, but let's just talk about it anyway. Curiosity is a basic element of our cognition. I find this really interesting that curiosity is, is more of a foundational idea. It's a motivator that sometimes could 
birth out of confusion, birth out of wonder and awe, all three of them. Um, it's a motivator to learn. It's a motivator to influence. Uh, it influences us. We can influence others with it. Uh, it influences our decision-making paradigms. It's actually crucial. Science has told us that curiosity is crucial to life, that it's healthy development of the brain. So when we limit our understanding of things, we actually just have a limited life. And that without curiosity, a limited life without curiosity is really uh, factors into all kinds of things like depression or maybe even um, some clinical depression as well could and so a perspective to have on curiosity is to ask yourself that question is is curiosity a part of who you are do you have a curious spirit and i think that curiosity <clears throat> if we look at the beginning genesis 3 and we're not going to read this but genesis 3 the poem of the beginning where we see that Genesis talks about two people on earth that are curious. Not only are they curious about like the, the animals that they're naming or the, the plants and the, the garden scene that they're seeing and that they're within, they are curious about God. They're curious about the serpent and the, the presentation of evil within the garden. They're mm -hmm. curious about that. They're yep. curious about each other. They're obviously when they cover each other or they cover up after the fall, they're curious about each other's nakedness even. And so they're mm -hmm. curious about what is, what is happening. Um, even, even bodily. And they're curious about what God told them not to touch. And that's the fruit. Yeah. So they were curious enough to go pick it, need it. I mean, yeah. it looks so, good and pleasing to the eye. Right. So they're yeah. curious, well, why would God tell me not do it? Yeah. So curiosity can lead us into Earth. lots of health, but also into things that we really didn't ever want to want to know in the first into. place. Uh, we talked about state or trait earlier, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And so curiosity is, is a trait. Yeah. And so it's, it is a character trait that we, that we develop in, in our emotional life. And so we want to be curious. Yes. The, uh, the, there's a sociologist did an experiment where, and I'm, I'm not going to go into the ethics of all this right now, but removed the prefrontal cortex of a cat and so all executive functions were taken away yeah um but the cat was still de described as curious <laughs> and so still in our yeah. in our basic amygdala limbic system we are we are by nature curious things animals are all curious yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sometimes we're encouraged in our curiosity and sometimes we're not <laughs> right well i think 
I think that there's something to discuss briefly um, in today's culture. I think that we have, how can I word it? We have an unstable demand for information in our curiosity. So our drive, our drive to learn or our drive to acquire information is one thing. But we also, and we're showing and proving that our curiosity can move into an unstable demand for information. So I have to know everything. And, and so like an, I don't, I'm not going to say in it because it's terrible to say I have an addiction to learning. But, but doom scrolling though. Doom scrolling and, and such things like that. Can you, you can have an addiction to learning though. Yeah. That is no, a very... but I don't, I don't want to be anti-intellectual. That's what I'm trying right. to not. I think it's important to be intellectual and look at things intellectually. But when we have an overactivity of distraction that that creates an unstable demand for information, I think we uh, we get ourselves maybe in, in a little bit of and trouble. Possibly the reason why you are searching so hard. There's more underlying... Yes things yeah. that you dig out yes. and i wonder and and you guys know more about this than i do i just wonder when the more and more we get into the doom scrolling or the more and more we get into like information overload this fire hydrant of things how many more cases of like attention deficit or distraction issues are we actually going to see in our society is that just something that is going to increase is that something that we just didn't diagnose back in the day or is that something that's increased i haven't looked at the studies that would be interesting to find out if this because we have this unstable demand for information and it's just expected to be distracted uh how is that coming out biologically evolutionarily mm -hmm. in our in our systems um over yeah, it's the uh, it's kind of the the test of um the children on the autism spectrum in silicon valley right so hmm. much greater because of um they believe the the predisposition of very intelligent parents right and so and so like uh, engineers of in Silicon Valley, like the, the, the autism spectrum there is, is amazing. Right. And I wonder if, if certain things are, if that begins with a mild, I just wonder like, and I, and I'm not a, a doctor, I'm not trying to prove anything. Um, I'm just wondering if that starts with a mild curiosity because then there's a major disposition of unhealthy curiosity that we move into the reactive curiosity um, that we're moving into that unhealthy disposition where we begin to see patterns and if we just if we just put ourselves at the animal scale evolutionarily we can evolve our brains within you know a matter of how many years i mean it's it's a very short time so so I think that I think that the whole idea of you know curiosity killed the cat, uh -huh. I think is uh, going back to your yeah sad. <laughs> uh, I think that definitely um, 
that that can have some challenges. Our information overload can have some challenges with our cognitive functions. Um, what do you th what do you define as unstable mm -hmm. for learning? Or are you just talking about distractions? Uh, yeah, I would say that I would say the wording there is just kind of I'm pulling things together in my head. Um, it's unstable. I have <laughs> yeah, my brain there. is unstable right now. Go ahead, Sharia. Um, I think so. Curiosity is like when we want some information, right? And we can pull up Wikipedia and we can learn up learn the information, and we're good to go. Um, when we start getting into this unstable idea or, or like that idea of doom scrolling, we, it's, we might know the thing, we might have the answer and it's still not enough. And I think there's this like underlying emotional something, probably anxiety, um, that we're trying to, um, what's the word I want? Assuage. Um, yeah. And so we just keep going for more and more information and more and more opinions and takes on the same thing, even though we already have all of the opinions and all of the takes and all of the information, because we're just looking for something to make us feel better. Yeah, so there's underlying mental things going on, emotional things going on. I, I would say uh, for our question, let me rephrase, not unstable, maybe insatiable our insatiable mm -hmm. demand for information. Maybe that's a better way to say that. Uh, unstable kind of sounds. Yeah, unstable. I don't think Mentally that's unstable. curiosity anymore. Yeah. No, but does our curiosity then become an addiction? Can it become that addictive force in our life? It can. I think it's anxiety. Yeah, yeah, I, I think say it's more anxiety too. <sighs> The reason it's the it's the impetus, and it's the it's the like the emotional attachment to curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think right. I think all things become an addiction. It's just what far, yeah, yeah. There are certain things that you're addicted to that you need to be addicted to. I don't think it's food, water, no. shelter. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. you are, we are addicted yeah. to food so that we will eat, right? Right. And then when I, think, we have I think I think you're using a loose definition of addiction. Very loose. Yeah, yeah. Very loose. Well, in our in our progression of things, uh, curiosity often starts with interest. So curiosity starts with interest. That interest can start with awe. It can start with wonder. It can start with surprise. <sighs> Yeah, it can start with confusion. It can start with all that. So our curiosity uh, actually often starts with interest or or uh, surprise. It can move between pure, normal, quote-unquote, normal function curiosity. Moves between mild, oh, that's interesting. I'm curious about that. Let's go there for breakfast, right? <laughs> so I'm curious about what they serve for lunch. Um, mild curiosities to deep investigation. I think that's that's the range for healthy curiosity. But then there's a psychology of curiosity that I'm not really equipped to talk about. But that does get into more of a insatiable 
demand for information and can lead us down uh, dangerous, uncomfortable paths for our future that we need to be very careful of. Um, yeah. So any other thoughts about, about that? <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing Stop at. Stop doom scrolling. Take a walk. <laughs> yeah. I think Just that stop. mindfulness, mindfulness practices are really good. My daughter, uh, she came home uh, from her lifestyles class or living class. They used to outdoor in living. my school, outdoor living, but then they do indoor living stuff too. So I don't understand the outdoor living. Maybe this is just this module outdoor living, but they used to call that home ec. <laughs> when I was in school, that module was called just home ec. So we learned how to balance checkbooks. We learned how to sew and cook. We learned how to do the middle school things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was in a progressive school. Natalia Holly so. <laughs> never touched checkbook in her entire life. So. Never, never she have will to balance never a checkbook. Never know what that ever. means. So, so that that's just kind of like what the the class that we took was home ec. I know they don't call it that anymore because that's not PC. Really, it's kind of dishonoring, I guess, in in how you use it. But uh, but that's what the, that's what it was called when I was in school. So we were very limited in what we did. We learned how to cook pancakes. We learned how to balance checkbooks. We learned how to run a sewing machine. She goes forest bathing. So they go out into the forest and they sit there on rocks and stumps and they notice the sounds, the air, maybe even the rain. Uh, the, 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 the moss that's growing on the stump that they're sitting on getting wet. I don't know. She just, she's like, yeah, dad, I, I just, I'm tired of sitting out on moldy rocks. That's what she told me once. And I'm like, why? She's like, I said, that's, she's like, that's what outdoor living's about is going forest bathing. Never heard of forest bathing before. So of course got my phone out, had to look it up. Now I Curious. know I fully you didn't live in wonder. I didn't live in wonder. I, I lived in a moment of wonder. I had a moment of wonder and I lived in curiosity and I answered, what is forest bathing? There it is. So I thought that was kind of weird. My daughter came home and said, I'm out forest bathing. Moldy Dad. rocks. Oh, okay. What does that mean? So uh, me and my, you know, curiosity almost killed the cat. I don't know. But anyway, so... So, but it was just a mindfulness practice. It was just a mental practice. Yeah. And I thought mm -hmm. that that was really interesting that she actually in school is learning these different activities to slow her brain down, to actually enter into spaces to slow the distraction. And I think that that's really kind of an important activity that maybe our meditation practices as Christians need to alter instead of just, Hey, I have my little journal and I'm writing my prayers down to God at my coffee table. And I have my spiritual cup of coffee and my onion skin, new King James Bible. And I'm, you know, making sure that I'm writing all the, the good things down and having joy in the Lord. Maybe a little bit of forest bathing might do us some good. Just a thought. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Eco meditations and Eco, forest bathing yeah, and total. cold showers and <laughs> yeah. 
turn the water on cold and take a shower. Right. She yeah. wakes you right up. Yeah, okay, Shreya, closing thoughts, Shreya? Um, I do have something to say, but it is not on topic. Oh, do you want me to it. wait? I don't say know what it. topic is it. Okay, um, I just need to be clear. Um, milkweed is only edible after it's cooked. <laughs> so if you're going to eat it, I knew it was if poisonous. If you're going to eat it, don't eat it raw, <laughs> and always double check plants you're not sure about before you eat them. It's kind of like olives and almonds. Careful. Careful. Yeah. Very good. Jake, closing thoughts? I think I have said a lot, so I am I am content. I'm no longer curious. All right. Forever, whoever listened and will listen to this, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate the questions in the comment boxes, so thank you for leaving those. You can actually ask those questions all week. That's it for tonight. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Have a great, great evening. Good night, everybody. Good night.